This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. This is your host, Jeremy Bergeron, again in the Austin, Texas studio. I am honored, very honored for who we have in our midst today. And I want to tell you about Anthony Kennedy. Anthony Kennedy is the CMO for a business called ION. And I want you to to support this conversation because we're going to dive into the world of marketing innovation with this gentleman. He's a global strategist who has elevated teams at ION, KPMG, Goldman Sachs, Acrolynx, to name a few. Anthony is a master in marketing operations and communications. He leads diverse teams specializing in everything from brand development, digital marketing, event planning, multimedia content. He's he's not just about building teams. He's about fostering excellence, ensuring that everybody delivers their best in line with the strategic business objective. So get ready for an insightful conversation because Anthony has never done a podcast. This is first one, and we are honored to have Anthony in our studio. It's rare that we have a marketing leader who, you know, who hasn't come out from behind the curtain to share, you know, their story. And so this is one that we we cherish and we honor because Anthony is one of those epic marketing executives. And we had a prep call a couple of days ago and like the things that he he mentioned he's up to as a leader is epic. So I'll shut up. Anthony, welcome to Marketing Trends. G'day, Jeremy. It's great to be here with you. Thank you for that uh, introduction. I mean, as I was mentioning, we just don't get a lot of people that have never done a podcast. And so when I start to do my research and connect on who you are and what you're doing and what ION's doing, it just makes me excited because again, it's like there's so much happening inside your business in the industries you're serving. Um, and so let's talk about ION. For those who don't know about ION, tell us about the business. What do you do? Who do you do it for? Give us the size and scope of this business. Ion's a 25-year-old company and with a focus on automation and digitization in the fintech industry. And look, across our portfolios, we provide mission-critical trading and workflow automation software, high-value analytics and insights and strategic consulting to financial institutions, central banks, governments, and corporates. My, my role at Ion for most of my history, most of my career has been, I've led in-house marketing communications agency functions. I've worked with and for marketers for just over two decades. This year, I've taken on the CMO role and I'm loving the work with our business and product teams and senior leaders to develop and deliver some results for the customers in our business. You have this interesting connection with the agency you know, space. And so I, I, I want to talk about that a little bit because that's an interesting one where I've talked to marketing execs who some are more bullish on agencies, some are more bullish on in-house folks. Talk, talk about your experience there and, and I guess what that's given you now kind of having that agency perspective, but now also being the person that can choose to go up or down or left or right when it comes to using agency partners. I think agencies are critical in supporting businesses. Very, very few businesses have the capability, the, the, the depth of resources to support what they need in-house entirely. I migrated to the UK 25 years ago and I left Thomson Reuters where I was in sales and came to the UK and literally via my sister-in-law fell into marketing communications by, by accident. 
but really thri- I thrived at the, uh, when I started at Goldman Sachs and moved, moved on and did some work for PwC and KPMG and was allowed, given the opportunity at KPMG by one of their, the, the former, I think he's the former global head of KPMG, Philip Davidson, was, give, was given a massive opportunity there to grow and develop an in-house team and function there. With a note of irony, since looking at taking on the marketing, the CMO role, uh, last year was my, 2022 was my first year at Can Lions. And I managed to get to Can Lions. And one of the keynote speeches um, had the head of Dentsu on stage talking about that they now decided it was best to bring all their agency services together into one house, which I applaud them for. We've been doing that for 15 years. Within our in house agency, I've got 15 teams that report to me. Um, and as you said, it's across all the different elements that we need to really deliver and nail successful campaigns. Oh, this is awesome. But I want to go back to the sister-in-law story. You said <laughs> sister-in-law, because this starts back at Thomson Reuters, which, you know, Melbourne, Australia, by the way, yeah. is what I saw back in the 90s. And then you said sister-in-law accidental into marketing. What's what's that about? My sister-in-law had moved to the UK um, a, a year ahead of when my wife and I moved. And we, we came because she was telling us that, you know, what a great time she was having there. And we moved over and uh, she, she asked me when we got there, what was I going to do in London? I, I literally I said, I, I don't mind. I just don't want to do sales anymore. And she said, oh, you know design, you know things like that. You should, you should go and work in that industry. And she told me about uh, work that one of her friends was doing. And uh, yeah, she introduced me to one of the key agencies that got me started in that industry back in the 90s. And it was early 2000s and it was brilliant. Okay, and so 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 Goldman Sachs. Then you ended up at Goldman Sachs, and is that what you're? So you're doing more design at that at that time. What were you doing there as the as the shift leader? So starting there as a shift leader. So Gold, Goldman Sachs at that time had a twenty four hour a day, seven day a week uh, presentation graphics unit and team, and wow. this this okay. this was delivering the the bank's impressive credentials, decks, presentations, and work and. Uh, I was trained to be a part of that team, and six weeks in, one of the uh, team leaders departed, and I was—I I put my hand up for that role, and then took on a seventy-person team uh, running shift. And wow, yeah, okay, that's awesome. I, I, this is amazing because, like, the path to CMO is never this straight line. It's never, oh, I want to be a CMO, and here I am. Like, it's always so interesting to me. So you now are starting to get this perspective. You have the sales perspective, which I love. Then you start getting into design, but not just design. You're overseeing like a massive design operation, which you continue to do over at KPMG. So what does that do for your perspective as a marketer now? Because you're seeing so much design. You're also getting a lot of design out the door. What's that even like? I can't even imagine being like at a, at a factory almost where you're seeing so much design work. You're probably getting so much feedback and learning so much along the way. It came down to the importance of getting the message across, right? And back then, before recent years, it was the message, not a campaign brief or a proposition. Right? It was just the, the importance of communicating a message. And obviously, Goldman Sachs Investment Banking Corporate Finance, there's a, there's a scope there. My, my work at KPMG started in their restructuring, insolvency, and turnaround division, which, of course, was dealing in reasonably at times high-profile cases and just the importance of executing this work relied upon the clarity of the message being delivered and nailing that. You ended up at ION as a design manager. You're really kind of back to this design world. You led a team there, a bunch of time zones. You, you know, you really, so creative services is like, you know, that world, right? You're in that world deeply, but still like from design director, you took a little break and you end up back there, right? In 2019, now leading marketing, you know, as a CMO there. Tell us about that. 
I am a designer, I will say. However, yeah, there's this great David Ogilvy quote about hiring. You know, you need, we need to hire people who are bigger than we are to become a company of giants. Otherwise, we could become a company of dwarves. Can I tell you, every every single member of our design team who I've hired is a dramatically better designer than I ever was. I mean, I'm, and when, when I see their work and work with them, I'm embarrassed that I occasionally refer to myself as a designer. Right, so that's one of the core things that I massively believe in is the the need to hire people who are bigger than you are. Mm, beautiful. Well, you know, you're getting you're getting into, you know, building epic teams, right? High performing teams, which is always an interesting, you know, note to to chat about here on marketing trends. You've now had experience, as you mentioned, like you know, we're talking. You said you know a couple of decades of leading big teams, leading big projects. Along the way, now you're learning some really insightful lessons on like how to pick good. Good folk, good candidates. How to how to hire quickly? How to onboard the best way? Like, give us your now kind of perspective on building a high performance team. Now that you've got all this experience, how do you how do you go about thinking about needs of the business, finding, sourcing, connecting, interviewing? Like, give us your overview of like hiring a badass. Now you've asked the question. I'm going to draw on some experience. Many, 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 many years ago, I was a McDonald's manager back in Australia. And oh, okay. McDonald McDonald's have this saying: "Aces in their places." Right? You, you you need to know who your aces are and where you can put them. Right? And and they're the people that you know that are the trusted pairs of hands, the people you can fall back on, and when need to, you can ask them to cover gaps that are outside of their comfort zone because you know who your aces are. Right? And that doesn't mean that you only, in, a, in a big team you only have a few aces. Right? Your objective here with a high performing team is knowing what each team member is an ace on. I think every company, every job, I've never had a job where we've had the capacity or capability to carry dead wood. You need to hire great people, keep great people, develop and grow great people. And you asked as part of your question there, you asked about, you know, how do you build build this great team? You know, I think it was Laszlo Block, the former head of recruitment for Google. And you, you may recall many years ago, everybody sort of held up Google as the, the great excellence of hiring great people. And, and, yep. and Laszlo in his book, Work Rules, talks about the simplicity of hiring great people. And my recollection of that is it is basically one, have a well-specced job spec, right? You, you want to advertise mm. what the role is for to attract the people. And when you interview the people, get them to talk about their experience of this, credential check that their degrees, qualifications or whatever are accurate. And if you're going to resource them for the job, trust your gut. And hire the person, right? Because if you've got a well-written, accurate job specific job job description, and you trust your gut and you resource the person to do the role, you're off on a, on a flying start already. What kind of culture do you like to build around? You know, certainly you talk about the culture of Ion, but like the culture of the marketing and communications function. Like, is it a fail fast? You know, you, you mentioned Google, right? I spent three years at Google, and I will say that if there's one big takeaway that I learned in my time at Google was. It was, we moved so, the velocity of failure was evident everywhere. And it was like, oh, wow, look what happens when you just throw a bunch of people moving really quickly and failing and learning and iterating, et cetera. Some cool stuff gets built. What's the culture of what you want to build around? Like when you're bringing people on, like, yes, you want them to be high performing and good at what they're, what they're good at and clear in the job description. Absolutely. But what's the culture you're creating of trust, of failing? Is it the bar? Is excellence really high? Is it really, um, yeah, just what's the culture? Is it, is it casual? Is it everybody's, you know, toe to toe every day, you know, getting after it? What's the culture there? 
The, the ambition is to – sorry, we, we have a great team. And look, I, I love um, Shane Parrish's Knowledge Project podcast, right, the, the Farnham Street podcast. And in about episode 159 or something, there's a, he speaks with Aaron Dignan, who talks about companies and organizations. And he says that there's, there's no company of 10,000 people. It's a company with 80 teams of 50, 60, 70 people in there. Right, and, and I think that's true. Well, I have, we have a brilliant team and a brilliant team environment, and like any, I think, good manager, you you try to shield and protect your team from all the rubbish they don't need to pay attention to, right, and keep them focused on on, on their work. And there's areas where we have had times where our focus has been on delivering what's asked asked of us. And in the last six months, in the last nine months, we've seek to really uplift that and talk about creative excellence and, and creative effectiveness. Right, and uh, I've set set my head, director of creative services, Ted, the the goal of producing campaign artwork that's worthy of an award. Right, uh, stuff that we are proud of, stuff that we would put and submit to an awards body, and that remember, a campaign the the work that we do can involve everything from brand, design, motion, sound, social media, content, events, our press and media team, right? It's not just a designer with an image, right? It's the connectivity between the original brief that comes out of the business, the marketing campaign brief that gets accepted, and the creative brief that we give to our designers and creative teams. And you're talking about this creative and, you know, again, like the scope of the strategies at ION are, are wide, right? Uh, and I'm curious how you tailor these strategies to address the unique challenges and the opportunities of such diverse industries, right? Because you got finance, government, corporation. How do you tailor the marketing strategies to address those things? Despite it being an era, era of technical, technological innovation, it's very easy to be distracted, right? I think it's crucial to come back to the fundamentals of marketing, right? For, for us, particularly in my work, the fundamentals around the brief, the targeting, the segmentation, the strategy, and the message are key, right? You need to understand the basics before you can build an effective campaign, Right. What's the brief from the business? Why are we doing this? Who needs it? And what's the real objective? You've got to do that diagnosis phase. Strategy comes first. And I believe that understanding the customers, the challenges and problems that they face, the things that they need solved are the crux of executing a successful marketing strategy. Oh, it's so, so good. I feel like now you're, again, like I said, so it's a masterclass in, in how to think about this at scale because- the insights and the behavior of your customers is certainly going to be important. Tell me, let's double click on that a little bit because you strike me as someone who, of course, like you said, you're supporting a business that's at this intersection of a lot of a, a lot of dis distraction, innovation that's changing every day. Yet I find you going back to the simplicity of scaling things and back to, okay, let's pull this back. What does the customer want? What is the customer? What are their problems today? How are we solving those today? And so talk about that kind of obsession with the customer and how you keep it at, you know, like I've learned that simplicity seems to scale organizations in big ways. And so I love how you keep bringing it back to like X's and O's and fundamentals. Two of the big things that I've had access to over the last few years relating to this, I, I'm a big fan of Mark Ritson and there's the stuff that Marketing Week produces. I, I, I did Mark's um, mini MBA in marketing course. And through my attendance at Can the last Can Lions the last two years, I've met many of the team from Lions Digital. And the importance of the fundamentals, without this stuff, without this concrete in place underneath what you're doing, 
it's make believe, it's pretend, and you're setting yourself up for failure. One of the resources that I referenced recently to one of my team was the Ogilvy on advertising book. Right, this okay. book was written what in the, in the 70s. Right, God, we're 50 years ago now. You pull that book out and read it, and it 90% of it applies today. There's even, ironically, one of the leaders in the industry, Procter, that many people hold up as a great example of success, which they are, Procter & Gamble. Right, Ogilvy even wrote, wrote a chapter on Procter & Gamble. And from what I've learned from being in and around Mark Pritchard at, at, at Lions uh, in 2022, by last year, I was fortunate to do the CMO Accelerator program with Jim Stengel, ex-Procter & Gamble. The stuff that both Mark and Jim talk about, the work at P&G, it's, it's the Ogilvy chapter could be lifted out now as a current account for what P&G do, right? The fundamentals are out there and largely haven't changed. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, and you mentioned you mentioned Ogilvy, you know, on advertising. I mean, legend, legendary, you know, godfather in advertising, and you know, in in that book, he also he emphasizes, and this is what I can tell you're doing really well, Anthony is. In the book, he talks about you know emphasizing the significance of research in advertising, understanding the consumer is the foundation of effective advertising, right? And so, I can tell that you've already you've name dropped several you know books and podcasts. I can tell that like you're well read and you stick to your guns on let's keep let's keep to the things that are let you know let's 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 stick to what's going to work. And there's also this innovation happening around you, right, Anthony? There's also AI and all of these things that can support some of these foundational elements and also distract. How do you dance with that? The advent of AI, right? And we've had generative AI is going to be an, is already an incredible tool to marketers. The ability to use, right? And looking down and querying OpenAI and ChatGPT, building up your query to the to the GPT bot. We did some work recently where we mapped out a marketing campaign and this ended up being pages and pages of content out of OpenAI and ChatGPT. This was by my estimation 5 days worth of solid work for a for a marketer, marketing manager, a marketing associate to do. We we did this in 8 minutes using ChatGPT. Now, I get and people are right to challenge back. However, the quality standard is going up. They're right to challenge right. back on can you trust the content? But my marketing team are not subject matter experts in every product that they work with. We rely on our product managers, our chief product officers to feedback. So by working with the, the OpenAI tools and being able to build up a, a week's worth of work in minutes, this is now a document that a marketing manager can review and then we can sit down with a product manager and work through. And they can immediately on seeing this, put red lines through things, green ticks on things, say, no, that should be here, not there. And that also helps our dialogue. Instead of a, a marketing manager sitting down with a product owner and asking them to brain dump and on a blank page, Right, people, we, we, we psychologically mostly hate the blank page. So coming in with an already filled out page that becomes a, is this right? Is this right? Should that be there? Is it wrong? What did we miss? The dialogue is much more instantaneous. It's much more successful because the product owner who's being interviewed or worked with has got a great bunch of content already on the page that their experience and knowledge and expertise lets them provide feedback around. 
what impact does it like that a project like that have on the business? Like, so what, fast forward that down the road. Like, what does that do for the business? Ion as a company, we've we've got what visible available on our website more than a couple two hundred alpha products. What we would refer to as an alpha product. These products are serious tools that help customers in their business and the the, the operation of their business and decision making. So, being able to use a tool like this AI, generative AI, allows us to build output and results to work with, customized across these products, right? And that's just helping us form our initial view and work with the product team about how we can take this forward, how we can market this, and how we can deliver some success for the product. Okay. So, obviously, not a, not a, a couple of SKUs there. We're talking a, va- a big, big line of products. How do you, how does your perspective, you know, kind of over, over, like look at that and what are you paying attention to across a product suite of that size? What are the things that you're looking at from a metric perspective? And again, you're, you're a design, you have a design background too. So I could see you going into different aspects of all these products in terms of a design. Um, but what's it like to kind of oversee and manage that many and are you looking at certain things regularly around these products and what, what indicators are you paying attention to? The biggest indicator is, of course, the direction from the senior leadership of the business about where, to, where, where we need to apply our focus, right? There, there are product, products at many different stages in their life cycle in that. Um, we are a business focused on growth and supporting our customers, but we are a business that's been around for 25 years, right? So the first importance is the direction from this leadership of where to apply our focus, after that, it's it's the particular brief from the business, and each of those products is going to have and produce a different output from their brief, which is going to dictate our focus and how we look to execute a campaign. So, have you reprioritized any of the metrics that you pay attention to now? Just generally speaking, in you know, as we close up twenty twenty three with all the things happening, or again, are you kind of sticking to the foundational numbers that you know most CMAs CMOs are paying attention to? Or are there metrics you have now focused on that are different? No, we're we're using. I think it's important to try and use industry standard metrics once again. Back to the fundamentals, right? Let's not go and invent something new. Right. Let's stick stick with the core metrics. Let's stick with our calls to action, our activations, our you know bounce rates, all uh, you know traffic on the organic growth, organic traffic, page views. So page views have just been deprecated by Google. So yeah, but no, it's it's the the, the core metrics that that are the ones to stick to. I also want to ask you because you mentioned this on our prep call as well, and you mentioned this today um, on kind of being a part of the mini MBA for marketing and the CMO accelerator. Let's talk about those a little bit. Just like again, like. You have, you know, in many ways, I don't think we ever arrive, but you have, you know, you've now sit at a really, you know, at the top of the marketing function, leading a really cool business, doing really cool things. And then you're also like learning from these these courses and books, et cetera, podcasts, and you're such a researcher and an educator. Talk about the things you've learned high level, the mini MBA of marketing, and then the, the CMO accelerator that Jim Stingle put on. In taking on the role last year, I sat down with my teams and, and mapped out that there is so much. We've, we've never been at a time in history where there is so much knowledge, education, and training resources available to the average person in the street. Well said. Well said. So much of it available for free, right? And you know, if, if we want to, sorry, with reference, go back to Ogilvy on advertising, right? You want to get that book from Amazon in the UK, it's about 12 quid, right? This isn't big stuff. And if you take a step up from that, 
things like the, the brilliance, the, you know, Lions Wark, the Wark Academy courses on on forty two courses. This is like a four hundred pound subscription for the year, and you can go and plow in and get some of the best training in the world for four hundred quid for the year. So there is so much out there, and for a while, you know, it, I, I I was active on Twitter.com um, until recently. And just watching the evolution of content through there and seeing this, you know, the changes that have happened there, there is content so widely available, but you can't spend your life chasing the end of a rainbow, right? You've got to come back to what's true. What do we accept as a single source of truth on this? So one of the first things we did with training was mapped out what our single sources of truth were for marketing, what we would pay attention to, what we wouldn't pay attention to. Right, and and fortunately for Mark, Mark, Mark is one of the single sources of truth we do pay attention to, and one of the core reasons that's true is because Mark's not teaching the Ritson School of Design or, or the Ritson School of Marketing, right? He's teaching the fundamentals of the industry. He's teaching the fundamentals that work, right? So if you if we if we want to pay attention to people. We can't pay attention to people who are just selling their version of marketing right now for free, available on their website. Plus, for ninety nine dollars, signed up to this course, you can get the whole truth. No, we have a we have a documented list of see, of people that we trust, people that we can pay attention to. Right, this goes across strategy, it goes across marketing, it goes across copywriting. Right, these are the people we follow, and this is what we pay attention to. Anything stick out about the CMO Accelerator uh, through Con? CMO Accelerator, first off, obviously, brilliant work by uh, Lions to put that on and, and Jim Stengel and the team that put that together. To be immersed for that period with 60 CMOs and the heads of the industry we had come in, right? We, we had leadership from Havas. We had leadership from Omicron. Just the examples that we leadership from Microsoft. Being able to walk through and hear their take on their experience, what got them to where they are, and how to execute campaigns and be creatively effective, right? And as you know, right, the Lions is not the awards are an incredible thing, and it's great to be exposed to and surrounded by that excellence. But it's how you get there. It's how you get there, and being able to build up that knowledge, that expertise, those frameworks and processes, yeah, you know, making a function that's efficient and able to execute and deliver. That's what we're trying to do. Was your experience there more of a confirmation that we're on the right path, we've been doing this, we're heading the right direction, or was it like there's a big takeaway of like, whoa, I just got hit with a stop sign and we need to make a quick, you know, was there any big shifts or changes in how you think about marketing, lead marketing based on your experience at Con and being around that, you know, accelerator and those folks there? Or was it just, hey, look, we're doing great. I've been doing this for a long time. A lot of it was confirmation that we're sticking to the fundamentals and seeking to execute the fundamentals well. It was great to have that confirmation back from the business, right? And and obviously, Lions and and, and seeing the AB InBev with their Marketer of the Year Award second year this year and the work they did. This is a... The, the campaign that won them this this year was all about introducing a new species of lime to a region of China so that the lime in the beer would taste what it's meant to taste like, right? There's very few wow. organizations on the planet that could have that depth of investment in that opportunity, right? But, it, but to get there, you need to execute excellence, 
right? You don't get there by being half-assed at this. I'm glad that you were there, and I'm, and it's, it's again like you. Well, you mentioned you, you're not sharing on Twitter anymore. Are you sharing anywhere right now? Because you need to be, Anthony. I've got accounts on you know the usual Mastodons and Blue Skies and LinkedIn. I'm trying and my own blog and other okay. websites that I do. I'm trying to ramp that up and get a focus on that. But I'm 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 busy in my day job. <laughs> yeah, you, there is this small thing of you know supporting a, a massive business. I, I get it, and uh, I, I mean this is just this exceptional dialogue, and I think the stuff that you're sharing is so key and dropping those moments for the world to hear and share it regularly would be received. So I hope you keep sharing and keep that rolling. Thank you. Let's talk about community a little bit and kind of the emphasis on community engagement from the the, the sectors that you're serving, right? And it, I'm sure it's a key aspect there. How is this collaborative culture engagement, community focus on community engagement reflected in your marketing? And what are you seeing in terms of community and engagement around the folks that you're serving? One of Iron's core values is emphasis on partnership, on long-term thinking and partnership and our, uh, working with our and supporting our community of customers. We, we regularly engage with our customers directly, in, of course, in meetings and industry events, trade shows and, and internal client events, right? Community is very important. Is there new evolution when it comes to building community? Are there new things you're doing to build community? Um, how do you think about growing existing communities? Because again, you have a huge pro- you have a huge product suite. I would imagine there could be communities just within those products too. And depending on where this thing goes, like how do you think about that? And what does engagement look like uh, in community that could be very big? With a note of irony, in the direction of our senior leadership, um, we started our series of client connection um, community events the year before the pandemic hit. We managed to execute uh, several of those around the world before the pandemic hit. And uh, we, we were able to get our customers to come together, discuss the market, the challenges they're facing, and get them in touch with our product leaders and senior business leaders. And it was a fantastic series of events we ran. This year, actually, we've managed to bring them back together um, across and start to bring these portfolios and events across the world. Um, it's been fantastic to get these communities back together again with our business and product leaders and to listen to our customers and meet them in person again. Awesome. I want to circle back to kind of up along the lines of building a great marketing team, which again, like a, a lot of stuff that we're covering today tells me that, and you've given your team a shout out. I mean, it's the team that really surrounds you and supports you and the leadership that, it, I mean, it's it, it's clear that if any if you pay attention to Ion, and I hope everyone listening goes to Ion, check out Ion Group. I mean, this is this is a fascinating business, but you talk about building a great marketing team. You talk about how important that is. And it seems like you really value that. And so my question is, what initiatives set in place for the training and development of your team? Like how can how can we embrace more of this lifelong learning mindset in this broad industry? One of the first things that shocked me in taking on the role was that some of the metrics I received about the industry. I, I, I love the marketingprofs.com website and their state of the nation on the state of training and education in marketing at the end of 2022, just my jaw dropped to the floor. Right, Some of the key things they taught, they, they, they fed back from the industry. And once again, this was a survey of something, three and a half thousand marketers. Right, And I, I, only one in five marketers felt very prepared for their future in marketing. Like one in five. And only one in three felt that their team was very effective in their role. And finally, one in four don't think that everyone on their team has even a basic understanding of marketing. How can you seek to build a team that lasts, a team that has confidence, a team that, and back to an earlier 
comment, you know, the, the old fail fast mantra. How can you build a team that you can expect to have the confidence to try and go for success if this is the state of the industry? And and I think it's accurate, right? So wow, that that I recommend anybody go and have a look at that report. It's great. Um, but we need to build this confidence, this understanding in our marketers. And once again, this is one of the things coming back to the foundational knowledge of marketing. We need to have our teams confident in their knowledge, their understanding of what they do, the tools they have at their disposal, and what the purpose of marketing is, right? There's so much content out there. One of the podcasts I was listening to again this morning talked about the ability to use LinkedIn and YouTube as a learning platform to get your skills up to, uh, skills up to speed super fast. But once again, this stuff is on f- platforms that are available freely. So we need to wrap a structure around that. Once again, having some single sources of truth, right? This isn't out about going out there and finding someone. And it isn't also about spending, you know, 15 grand on a, on a, on a, on a course. It's about documenting and finding those essential bits of information you have going back to the Ogilvies, the Hopkins, the early days of marketing. Remember marketing, what what Drayton Bird recently said that marketing as an industry was dated back to 1904, right? Things like law and medicine and whatever are thousands of years old. Marketing is a 120-year-old industry and most of what we refer to marketing now came out of the 60s and 70s. It's not even half a century old. So we need to have this this understanding in place for your team and Look, there are tools out there, and I don't mean, once again, I, one of our trusted sources of knowledge is this, is this XEM group, the Marketing Week group, and their e-consultancy product has a tool where you can go and do training benchmarking for your marketing team, right, and get establish that benchmark of where your team are at, and then you can seek to structure and build those, pla- those, those training programs in to fill those gaps. What's that called again? The Marketing Week? What's that E-consultancy. One? So marketingweek.co, I think it's marketingweek.com, but e-consultancy um, is one wow. of the Marketing Week sister brands, and they have a digital learning library and a digital benchmarking tool. Interesting. We talked we talked a lot about the foundational, you know, the fundamental pieces of marketing, which I love how you always, it's like, I see you as this person who, you know, has certainly has the binoculars looking out into the future and seeing what's occurring. But I also see you as this person that has the you know magnifying glass that's also like, let's not forget what's right here in front of us. And so we talked about both of these things. And, you know, I, but I also want to think about and I want to I just want to know about r- research and development and some of the things that you encourage the marketing folks to experiment on, right? Because that clearly exists inside of Ion too. How much of that is happening? Is it, you know, like at Google, we had the 20% project where everybody could take 20% of their time and work on something yeah. innovative. How do you foster that innovation and kind of thinking fast? Are you experimenting a lot? I'd love to hear about that. To answer that question, I've got a reference that there are many people out there that are prepared to do this themselves out of their own personal interest and self-development, right? We are not talking about people having access to a platform that's a corporate enterprise platform that's restricted. I know within my own team, without outside of my own team, people are talking about the Dali's, the Mid Journeys, the Open AIs, the Chat GPTs. You know, one of one of our user experience team built one of the new uh, Chat GPT bots on uh, user experience, right? and that inspired me to build the marketing mentor bot that I um, put together. This stuff, this stuff is available to 
any professional that's prepared to just put some time in and have a go at this. And there are, you know, if we if we talked about this about nine months ago, right, everybody was excited about the idea of, you know, new jobs being created. Prompt engineers was one of the uh, examples given, right? There's a whole new industry, prompt engineers. Yep, yep. Right? And in the last few months, the company, there's, a, there's a company called Allison't that have got Allison.com that is a tool that's effectively an AI prompt engineer. You tell it what you want in simple words and what platform you're looking, you're going to use this with, you know, whether it's OpenAI or DALI or Midjourney or whatever, and it will then construct from a six-word instruction a paragraph-based prompt that you can use to then put in and get the query out. These tools are out there and they're going to accelerate. And once again, this is not something that people don't have access to, right? People can go to OpenAI today, to Dali, to Midjourney and use these accounts free. Yes, you may have a version behind. Yes, you may have to wait for the bot to put you in the queue, right? But even looking at the paid accounts, you know, an OpenAI chat GPT account is $20 for a month. You don't have to sign up for a year, put 20 bucks in and use it for a four weekend. See what you come out of it with. Yeah. I will say it's been the best $20 a month that I've spent on both on uh, Claude and Thropics Claude and on ChatGPT, the two that I go back and forth with. And love, did you do you dabble with Claude as well? Yeah, look, I, I got I got a Claude account, and one of the things here, look, do you remember? Do you remember that old Martech logo landscape that was produced about fifteen years ago? And every year there would be I had a, like yes, yeah, that it went from yes. three hundred to four thousand to seven thousand yes. logos, right? Yes, AI and AI tools and platforms are in that state right now. You know that, right? There yes. are hundreds yes. of them being launched every week. Right, and I think so. For me personally, one, of the, I don't have the resources to chase all those to go down all those rabbit holes. Right, and, and, and looking at the industry as it stands right now, and there are very smart, very brilliant people working in big projects. But for me, one of the safest bets at the moment from where I sit is looking at OpenAI, right? The investment yep. they've got from Microsoft, the engagement that Microsoft has with the organization and the leadership of the organization and the recent events in the last week or so. Yeah. Right. Yep. This, this, this is, and, and, and I have to say, I think Sachin Adela and Microsoft have been making a lot of good decisions on technology and open AI and automation over. They've got a track record now that these guys know the fox they're hunting and they know where to go. So that's got to be my primary focus right now because all of the winds of that, all of the knowledge of that is going to yeah. filter back through into the enterprise through the Azure cloud, through our Azure blobs and the tools that we have and the automation that we have there. That I think is one of the safest bets in the world right now. I agree wholeheartedly. And a quick aside on Claude, you know, I'd heard the story about, you know, and it's it's this is all the game of telephone, so who knows? But the story goes, or one of the story goes that you know a bunch of uh, OpenAI employees left, right, started Anthropic, and they're you know blowing up Claude. And so I started using Claude, and at the time I was doing some consulting with a with a, a business here in Austin, Texas, and. One of the first things I did was audit the existing agency that was uh, kind of in charge of marketing. And when I audited the agency, I was like, I saw all kind of red flags. I was like, okay, this agency is it's not getting it done. And so I went to Claude to actually have it kind of help me write a business case to fire this agency. And I had I put all the data, here's the things. And Claude would not, Anthony, it would not <laughs> go there. I even, I was like, just pretend, role play, this isn't even real. I mean, it literally would not go there and it eventually stopped answering me yeah. completely. So then I went to chat GPT, had no problem, right? Creating what I needed to, but it was like this very polarizing like moment in time where I'm like, okay, 
Like I can't even go there with Claw, and at least I couldn't then. I haven't tried since. It's been about a couple of months, but it was really an interesting intersection. It's the birth of a new technology. There are upsides and downsides of potential to go in either direction, right? But but the fact that we have some serious, first off, some serious organizations such as Microsoft, such as Google, such as Meta, right, involved in this, right? And I'm not necessarily holding up any of them as a perfect exemplar, but organizations like Microsoft, the, the, the output that they're seeking is to enhance the tools they can make available to their own customers through the 365 platform. I think it's going to be an incredible decade of change. I completely agree. You mentioned PwC and there was a show that I hosted a couple of years ago called Business X Factors. And the, my very, very first guest was their chief product officer. His name was Sunit Dua, the chief product officer at PwC. And this was literally back in, we're talking it was two years ago. Yeah. So even more than a year. And it was just, he was speaking about where we were heading and how AI was going to really upskill the entire workforce. Right. And it wasn't going to replace, you know, jobs. I was afraid jobs are going to go away. It's like, it's going to upskill everyone. And if you don't, you know, get on the bandwagon, it's going to be a, a huge miss. And here we are now about to be in 2024, where you and I are sitting, where we see the capability, right. Of these tools. And when you really find one, like a chat GPT, for example, it's, it's a total game changer. I want to ask you about the marketing mentor bot because you slipped that one in there and we didn't we didn't we didn't talk about it. Tell us and the audience, please, like what is the marketing mentor bot? Give us some clue into that. So with with OpenAI and the Chat GPT at the moment, they've just launched what they call GPTs. And anyone with a pro account can create a GPT on a specific topic. You can constrain its ability to answer. You can direct it um, with a profile for the type of answers it gives, and you can also preload it with content. I set the marketing mentor bot up based on some of the well-known senior experienced marketers across the industry, like the Mark Pritchards, the Mark Ritsons, um, the Jim Stengels, and so forth across the industry, and to uh, answer questions in a supportive and coaching way, right? And, and, and that's, that, that's a great little tool. And it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that you can only use it if you've got a pro account, Right, so it's not something that's it's it's available publicly, but only if you're already a user of uh, of the pro accounts for uh, OpenAI. But and I mentioned I'll mention this now because I think it's a very useful example. So Jeremy, you remember recall we chatted yesterday. I talked about the GPT bot I built on a piece of software. I'm yep. uh, for my uh, iPad. I use a piece of software called DevonThink as part of my Zettelkasten system, and it's a very complex piece of software. And so I created a GPT for, for this app and I uploaded the three or four PDF training manuals and guides for the software. Um, when you buy this piece of software, you also get a Take Control Of book for it. And I uploaded my copy of Take Control Of into the bot. So now I can actually query my DevonThink GPT bot how to do things and it comes back at me with the answers and solutions. It's brilliant. I don't have to read, you know, 400 pages of manuals. I, I can build my own custom bot to answer my queries as I need them on the fly. I mean, it, it's it's a perfect case study. Again, I think the chief marketing officers like you that are going to be winning from now until they're retired and done are the ones that are doing what you're doing. It's you're you're staying on this 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 cutting edge of what's be uh, you, it, this is what I think is fascinating about you, Anthony. Is like, again, I know how distracting all of this this space can be, and like you're able to just like 
grab what's interesting, start to use it, see how it's it's giving you so much leverage as an executive, as a leader, as a knowledge worker and learner. And so it just positions you to be, again, it uniquely positions you to win long-term, I think, by doing what you're doing. I mentioned this uh, yesterday to you. I've spoken to so many chief marketing officers and all of them, amazing stories and backgrounds, but a, 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 a bunch of them aren't even really using GPT in their day-to-day or really testing it in the way that you think they would. Their teams might be dabbling here and there, but it's, it's in my experience, been more rare to meet someone that's actually dove in all the way in like you. Yeah, thank you. We've all got our unique situations to scenarios and problems to solve. And I don't think you can allow your staff open access to these tools, right? Because there is that concern. And because obviously, if you, if you allow open access, then the queries they put in can be accumulated into training data and databases. And most companies are going to be against that quite rightly. I, I know, and I, we, we, we've had this confirmed, your, your, your recent podcast um, with, with the gent from OpenAI talked about this, the confirmation, if you have an enterprise license with OpenAI, then none of your queries are used in training data, right? Some of this stuff is stuff that companies need to jump on and lock in and get started on this stuff. And once again, that's a great thing to say about a company saying, well, come in and do an enterprise license with us. I think that OpenAI with the Microsoft investment in the background is a very safe bet to go and put your toe in the water and get 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 moving with this. And I've got no Agreed. connection or interest in, you know, I've got, I, I benefit nothing from saying that. Um, right. To me, it's just that equation of logic, right? The, the, the investment by Microsoft, the leadership by Satya Nadella and the teams and businesses mm-hmm. at Microsoft, I think it's outstanding. I love it. Okay. Well, we have a couple of minutes. We can get into some lightning round questions. Let's get a, let's get a few a few in the hatch. Um, but Anthony, this has been incredible. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thanks, Jeremy. It's been great. Okay. Let's do it. First question, lightning round. We have Anthony Kennedy, Chief Marketing Officer for ION. Anthony, I got to ask this one. What is the funniest thing you've ever witnessed during a Zoom meeting? Wow. Um, I, I think it's the ever familiar, um, you're on mute from even the most experienced speakers and presenters. It's still, we, we've been doing this for, we were doing video calls before the pandemic and then we all spent 18 months of nonstop video calls, but we all still do it, being on mute. It's fantastic. I love it. What is your least favorite, either business buzzword or marketing buzzword? Email blast. I hate that term, which I, I think it's a failure to properly plan and implement and deliver a campaign, right? There are very wow. few circumstances where you need to send one email now, right? No, not in marketing. Wow. No one's ever said that, by the way. Out of all the, out of all the buzzwords, and Hillary can vouch for me on this is um, three years, three years in the game, Anthony, no one has said email blast. So you, you hold that one. What's the first thing you thought about this morning? Uh, sleep. <laughs> first thing I do every morning is check, check my sleep metrics. Um, um, okay. Once again, so foundational blocks, all the stuff that, that, that you read about sleep, that you read from the books that I read. If, if you ain't getting the right amount of sleep, you're setting yourself, you, you've crippled yourself out of the starting gate, right? You've damaged you yourself. Are you using an aura? I've got an Apple watch that I wear. I've also got a- okay. They were called the Why Things Then Nokia. I've got a USB th- pad under my mattress as well. So I sort of capture it from both oh. sides just to, to, to lock okay. this in and just try Official. and make sure I get the right amount of sleep with, with good depth and yeah. Okay. Well, since you said it, what's the right amount of sleep for, for Anthony Kennedy? Eight hours and 15 minutes. Okay. Okay. If you could use marketing 
to send a message to the entire world, like billboards around the world signed Anthony Kennedy, what would these billboards say? I'd like to find a snappier phrase for it, but uh, it'd be something along the lines of focus on what's important in the long term for success. Mm, Okay. Okay. What is the best business advice you've ever received? Pertinent now because, of course, the passing of Charlie Munger. The best bit of advice is from from his partner, Warren Buffett, uh, and that's get rid of self-destructive habits or behaviors, right? And once again, like the conversation, the chat just there on sleep, right? And I think James Clear's Atomic Habits book is a brilliant, life-changing resource. It's the good stuff. That's awesome. I interviewed James Clear in a previous a previous life at another company, and he was he was writing Atomic Habits at the time. It hadn't released it yet. And we did a great interview with him. He's an exceptional guy. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's an amazing man. Okay. Last question, Anthony. If you could go back you know, 20 years and whisper in the ear of young Anthony Kennedy, what would you tell Anthony Kennedy about business, pr- profession, life, marketing, whatever? What would you go back and tell young Anthony Kennedy? I think I would Go back and tell myself to believe in myself more. Love that. I don't know that I have imposter syndrome, but I'm a master generalist. And so I know a lot about a lot of, you know, I know a chunk about a lot of things. And sometimes that can leave me feeling like I'm in the middle of the ocean with my feet nowhere near the ground. Right? I'm happy to be bobbing along without touching the ground um, for large periods of my professional career. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd tell myself to have a bit, bit more self-trust in that stuff. Humble words from an epic executive, Anthony. Um, this has been an incredible, incredible dialogue. You you made my Wednesday today. I know it's the end of the day here. It's the end of the day where you are in the UK, but let's, we're just starting here at Wednesday. And this has been exceptional. We really appreciate you being on Marketing Trends. Thank you, sir. Right back at you. Cheers, Jerry. Thank you. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.